Uh, basketball fans everywhere, appreciate you guys for joining me once again. Episode number 82 now of um, what we like to call the best, the most entertaining, the most informational, and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. Tate's Take, find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast, streaming live on YouTube as well as on Facebook, uh, Periscope, Twitch as well. And uh, give us a follow on all social media platforms at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Again, hashtag where basketball lives, as you know already. Now, um, as per usual, uh, as you see on the scrolling there at the bottom, feel free to comment below with any questions uh, and opinions that you may have. This is our Hawk Talk uh, portion of the show. So I definitely want to make sure that I bring on uh, not only somebody that's a really good guest and obviously an extremely, extremely hard worker. And I know he's just over there in the green room, like, Psh, whatever, whatever. Uh, uh, but that's definitely my dude and he definitely deserves his flowers. So we're going to give it to him here on our program, uh, to talk a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks, recap a little bit of game two, uh, preview a little bit of game three and get into some of that good stuff. And without further ado, let me get ready to, uh, bring him in now from the green room, uh, as there, there we go. Good friend of mine as well. I'm not sure if I mentioned that part already, but we do have, uh, we do have Mike. Conti in uh, TV, radio, uh, sportscaster, and Atlanta Hawks commentator for Sports Radio 92.9 The Game in Atlanta and the Atlanta Hawks Network. Give him a follow on social media, on Twitter, at Mike Conti 929. Do yourself a favor and get that done ASAP. Mike, how are you? Tate, it's so good to be with you. Good to see you again. Yeah, you you too as well. Um uh, 101 to 92 in the recap on uh, yesterday's game for game two and just recapping that a little bit. What are some of the uh, major takeaways that you kind of saw during that game? Because obviously the Atlanta Hawks were holding the lead for a good portion of the game. Looked a little different between halves, but certainly within the first uh, three and a half quarters, and it tends to look a little bit different. Why exactly uh, did we see what we probably figured we might which was uh, the New York Knicks go on a run and kind of get things together there towards the end? Well, I, I think Tom Thibodeau made the first major chess move of this series, and you correctly point out that it was at halftime of game two. He benched Nerlens Noel and Alfred Payton at halftime. He started the second half with Derrick Rose in the backcourt, and that was really creating some matchup problems for the Hawks. I don't know if Rose's usage is necessarily sustainable in this series, but Rose has caused major, major problems matchup-wise for the Hawks. The Hawks have done an excellent job, <clears throat> excuse me, of getting Julius Randle off his spots, forcing him to take tough shots. They have not done as good a job getting Reggie Bullock and Derrick Rose into tougher shots, which is something that I'm sure they're going to want to try to do in Game 3 on Friday night. But the, the big turning point of the game, Tate, was that halftime adjustment by Thibodeau while Nate McMillan stuck with his rotations. And he stuck with, really, quite frankly, regular season rotations, which, as he pointed out after the game, he felt that uh, his first unit, his starting, his starting group, uh, was not playing very well in the third quarter. He thought maybe they were out of gas because they all played 18 minutes in the first half. Now, whether or not you believe that, that's up to you, but that's what Nate McMillan said. So he puts the second unit in, and the, the next run continues. It ends up being an 18-2 to run. By the time that Trey Young is reinserted into the game, 
the Hawks are down by 10. They do erase that lead, but as you know, Tate, it takes so much energy to overcome those big deficits, especially in a short span of time. Knicks outscore the Hawks 10-1 the rest of the way. So I thought Thibodeau made a really good adjustment that Nate McMillan maybe did not react to in quite the way he had hoped. The Hawks still get their split in New York, so it's not like they're in terrible shape. Uh, but they had a really good chance to go up two games to none. They had a 15-point lead. They could have been up by a lot more in the first half. That's one that they're probably going to feel like they let get away. And I was going to ask you that, too, in regards to uh, the rotations. You know, that it, it had much of the feel as if it was, you know, sticking with his regular season rotations and so forth. And I can only imagine that much of this is going to rely in terms of his adjustments with the rotation on if they're out of gas again by that stage uh, of the game. Uh, I don't know if I want to really ask if it was a mistake or not, but can you envision that that's something that we can look forward to maybe from in game three uh, and four that it'll look much like the regular rotations? Or do you think some adjustments will be made throughout and uh, him kind of realizing that some of these guys he has to have on the floor a little bit longer than some of the others? Well, not to be impolite, but it was a mistake. I, I don't think there's much doubt about it. Nate McMillan is... Sticking to his guns, I mean, you're not going to expect him to go out in a press conference and say, yep, that's on me. I screwed up. Very few NBA coaches are going to do that. And look, Nate McMillan is not alone in having the philosophy of trying to keep player usage as close to their regular season limit as possible. Steve Kerr does it. Mike Budenholzer does it. Nate McMillan's not alone. But will there be adjustments to the rotations in game three and four? I think it's a really good question. One of the major reasons why I think things got out of whack last night from a player usage standpoint is John Collins could not stay on the floor. Uh, two fouls in the first two minutes of the game, he comes back in, immediately picks up a third foul. So what happens? Uh, now Danilo Gallinari has to come in right away and play power forward. The Hawks really want Gallinari to be the backup to Clint Capella at center in this series, but because Gallo has to play the four, now you're relying on Nyeka Okongwu to play more minutes than maybe you planned out of him. And if there's kind of a domino effect that tumbles from there. So I don't necessarily think it would be an adjustment because I think you're expecting John Collins to be able to stay on the floor a little bit better in games three and four. But I think one major difference that you'll see, as long as that happens, uh, is that you'll probably see less of a Okongwu, more of Gallinari at the five, and you're probably going to see a, a mismatch, a mix, mishmash, excuse me, not a mismatch, a mismatch uh, at the four. And Tony Snell could be a part of that. Uh, quite frankly, DeAndre Hunter, I think, could be part of that as he still goes through his minutes restri uh, restriction. And Nate McMillan said again today to the media that that minutes restriction is still in place. We don't know exactly what the number is. So long story short, Deshaun, yes, I, I think it's going to look different in games three and four, but I think Nate McMillan's philosophy is going to be generally the same. If he feels as though his starters are out of gas, he's not going to hesitate to take them out of the game. Did he wait a few possessions too long Wednesday night in getting his starting group back in the game? Undoubtedly, yes. Did his starting group give up a 15-point lead in the third quarter? Yes, that's true as well. Both of those things can be true, but if you're seeing your lead vanish in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, if I'm the head coach, I want my starters out there. I want to go down with them. I want to go down with my best players and not have to rely on bench guys who, quite frankly, 
Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari and Tony Snell have not really done a whole lot in this series so far. Do you think that decisions like those in the event that Nate McMillan uh, continues to make those types of, uh, of, of decisions, do you think that that would have any sort of bearing in whether he would continue his tenure to potentially be the named head coach for next season? Well, Tate, what's been the knock on Nate McMillan through his entire head coaching career? He's a great regular season coach, but his teams just do not get it done in the postseason. And especially at his most recent stop in Indiana, they really, really struggled in the playoffs. I think there's a reason why Travis Schlenk and Tony Ressler wanted to wait until the postseason was completely over before evaluating Nate McMillan and making a final decision about um, whether or not they're going to hire him full-time. Clearly, what Nate McMillan did in the regular season is more than enough to get him hired. Sure. But last night, I think you see examples of why maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea just to see where this postseason series goes. I felt, coming into it, Deshaun, that uh, as long as the Hawks were respectable in the first round, they didn't necessarily need to advance for Nate to get the job full-time, but I did think they needed to be respectable. Two games into the series, they've been respectable. Let's see where it goes from here. So it, it's really tempting to overreact to a small sample uh, and, and make judgments on that. For example, John Collins, terrible game last night. Now yeah. suddenly on social media, a lot of people are turning that into a referendum about Collins and what to do with his contract this offseason. Mm. It's it's one game. You know, I, I need to look at the totality and I need to see where this series goes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think what it, it was a coaching error by Nate McMillan, but coaches are not 100 percent perfect. Let's see what where he goes from here and let's see if he reflects and self-evaluates and maybe decides to change some things later in this series. I want to jump over to. Uh, now over to, I guess, what would, I guess we can call the elephant in everybody else's room, as it seems right now with, we know about the Russell Westbrook and getting popcorn poured on him uh, after his injury. And then obviously Trey Young being spat on by a fan. I uh, just want to kind of get your overall thoughts on the player fan interactions, because luckily we're able to have fans back in the arena again. And then this happens like we're supposed to be talking about playoffs at this point, And then we're talking about some of this stuff. Now you're from Philadelphia. You know how the Philly fans can be sometimes. I am a native of Lansing, Michigan, but right around the way, being a Pistons fan, we know about the malice in the palace and all that kind of stuff. And also, you know, kind of get your general thoughts on that. And if you think that the NBA is uh, uh, coming down on the fans uh, as being um, uh, 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 being away from the arenas indefinitely, if you think that that action was actually harsh enough. Well, here's the thing. I, I think one of the things that makes the NBA experience so great is the proximity that fans have to the court and fans have to the player. That is so unique in the four major stick and ball professional sports in our country, right? You know, in, in baseball, you're separated by walls and nets. Uh, in football, you're so far away from uh, the field that, you know, you don't really feel close to the action. You've got the glass, yeah. You got the glass and the boards, exactly right. So this is the one element of the NBA that makes it so great 
from a fan perspective, from a fan experience, is that you are so close to the action. And it's something that the league embraces and, quite frankly, the league uses to generate revenue. The guy who spit at Trey Young last night probably paid a dollar amount that included a comma for that. (laughs) I mean, it's an important source of revenue for the league. But I'm just going to go by what Kevin Herter and John Collins said about it today. And I thought Herter's comments were were especially um, noteworthy. Kevin said, look, I don't know what goes through anyone's head when they think that they can just walk into an NBA game, sit courtside, and spit on a player or throw debris on a player like you had in Mm -hmm. Philadelphia last night. But if you think that you're going to be able to go into an arena and assault an NBA player in that way, and spitting on a guy is assault as far as I'm concerned, Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin was correct. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. Now, the player is in a difficult position. The player can't retaliate. Or you are going to have a malice at the palace situation. You'll never be able to have that again. So what does the league have to do to crack down on this but still maintain that very special interaction, that courtside interaction that you have between fans and players? Uh, You've got to take a hard line on violators. And it's not just like I'm glad that the Knicks banned the guy from Madison Square Garden, and I'm glad the 76ers banned the, the guy who threw popcorn at Russell Westbrook last night. But... You know, the guy throws debris at Russell Westbrook in Philadelphia, and you see him being led from the arena kind of gently by an usher. Like, sir, right this way. Please come back here. (laughs) Yeah, put him in handcuffs and make make an example of that person. Put him in handcuffs. Um, You know, Trey is not pressing criminal charges against the guy who spit on him in New York, and I, I understand why he's not. But instill, until you have like really severe, clear consequences for that kind of behavior, Deshaun, I don't know if it's ever going to change. Not only that, and I'm even kind of curious as to how do they know the face, like that these guys aren't allowed to come in? Like, right. is there like a something on the tack on the bulletin board with the wanted, never allowed here again, and faces posted all over the office or something? I mean, what keeps a guy like this from being able to? Uh, or, or a woman, for that matter, from even being able to step foot in the arena again and nobody notices them. You know, they just kind of mixed in with the crowd and everybody else. I'm not really sure as to how that works. I can't imagine you have any kind of fingerprint recognition or anything like that uh, to where they can or cannot get uh, back into the game. I wanted to touch on this, too, just a little bit while we still have you here. I've been seeing this quite a bit on social media, and I've heard about it a little bit. Draymond Green made some comments to say, hey, I, almost to say, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not the only one. I'm glad to see that people are seeing this a little bit, too. Your thoughts on Trey Young, I guess, being labeled as a villain? I won't be the person to go and say that me and Trey are the best of friends by any stretch of the imagination, but I know him a little bit, and I think that can't be anything further from the truth. However, I know that he's a competitor, and these are some of the things that get his blood boiling when you have such atmospheres like we've seen over the course of the last two games. What are your thoughts on him being labeled a villain? Well, who's labeling him a villain? Knicks fans, right? (laughs) Right? So who else have been villains to Nick fans over the years? Uh, Reggie Miller, probably, mm-hmm. right? Uh, probably Akeem Olajuwon uh, or Sam Cassell, you know, one of those guys on the, those Rockets teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, probably Tim Duncan. Um, mm-hmm. That's not bad company to be in as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> 
Curious. You know, when, when you go into Madison Square Garden and you play at the level that Trey has played at in these last two games, I know the label will be villain and you're going to get the profane chants and you're going to get the, the, you know, the snide remarks here and there about Trey's personal appearance and all of that. But the reality is in New York City, they're not going to waste time coming up with chants and, you know, coming up with nasty things to say if if they don't respect you or even more accurately, if they don't fear you as a competitor. And I think a lot of the reaction that Trey has gotten is born out of fear from Knicks fans. Quite frankly, I don't blame them for being scared because they can't stop him. They yeah. have not been able to stop him in these two games. Now, I thought Thibodeau again. Let, let's look at game two. A little bit of a chess move in the second half. Starts doubling Trey. Trey, no problem. Finds the open man every time. The reason why the Hawks lost the game last night is in the fourth quarter when they were doubling Trey and Trey was kicking to a wide-open Bogdanovich or a wide-open Hunter. They were mm-hmm. missing their wide-open three-point looks. They were, but yeah. That could have easily have been a 30-point, uh, 15-assist double-double for Trey with the Hawks winning. In fact, if the Hawks had won the game, it, let's say you know they made three of those three-pointers, uh, that trade kick to, and it, you know that's nine points right there. It's a thirty point eleven assist double double in regulation. So, I honestly think it's a sign of respect. I've attended a lot of hockey games at Madison Square Garden. They used to chant like that about Denny Potvin all the time, even twenty years after he retired. <laughs> was one of those villains to the New York Rangers. It's a sign of respect. I like the fact that Trey. I think Deshaun has played under control so far in this series. That's one thing that I was a a teeny bit worried about going into New York with the bright lights that maybe Trey would play a little bit out of control, play a little bit too emotionally. And when he does that, he tends to, his shot selection gets iffy and he he has turnovers. And I, I think Trey has stayed out of that trap so far, which I think is a tremendous credit to him. Took the words right out of my mouth. Feels like Mike Conti's living in my head rent-free. I was just about to say that. I'm going to have to start charging you after a while, Mike. Either <laughs> that or you found a way to sneak in here overnight. Left a, Must have left my uh, door unlocked or my windows open. You've been taking a peek at the answer key. Got my dude, Mike Conti, TV, radio, sportscaster, and Atlanta Hawks commentator for Sports Radio 92.9, the game here in the locker room for episode number 82. Also for the Atlanta Hawks network, catch them on social media at Mike Conti929, that is at Mike Conti929, who's joining us for Hawk Talk. Now, what I want to do real quick before we get ready to get you out of here, per usual, you know, we like to do this stuff, have a little bit of fun. Welcome you to our quick release uh, segment where I'll just throw a couple questions at you real quick, somewhat rapid fire, if you will. Of course, sponsored by Exotics by Curtis Smith. Look good, feel good, play great. Exoticsproducts.com, all 100% natural, uh, no chemicals added. Um, and uh, make sure when you get ready to check out and all that good stuff, got all your products in hand and everything like that, that you go to the discount code and put in Tate's Take to get your little 15% off. So uh, let me throw this first one out there at you real quick, Mike. Let me ask you this one. This is one that I kind of feel like everybody's kind of kind of been going over their head a little bit, not people paying enough 
attention sometimes. There's a guy that can wake up out of the bed fresh in the morning and give you about 20 or 30. Is everybody forgetting about Sweet Lou? How long before we see him have one of those blow games when everybody's looking for Trey, but then it end up being uh, Sweet Lou, who's also a native from uh, Metro Atlanta? Yeah, if Lou didn't do what he did at the end of the third quarter and start of the fourth quarter in game one, the Hawks are probably down two games to none. Uh, remember, the Hawks are down seven, and Barrett has a three in the air to make it a 10-point game that misses. And what happens, Lou goes on a personal 7 nothing run to tie the game. Nate McMillan leaves him in deep into the fourth quarter as a result, which I think bought Trey some very important added rest in the fourth quarter in game one, and, and we saw what Trey did at the end. But it just has not been consistent enough for Lou Williams. I, I don't think he really gave them a whole lot last night. If Lou and Gallinari are just average, Deshaun, the mm. Hawks are going to be in great shape in this series. But so far, I think other than that one little burst in game one, Lou has not yet uh, even been average in this series. You touched on this just a little bit earlier. I want to circle back around to it. What is the importance for John Collins to have a breakout game or somewhat breakout series or just make himself a little bit more noticeable uh, than he has in the first two games, considering the fact that it is the contract situation that's happening this year? Yeah, and he has said publicly, he said on 92.9 the game Friday, that the, the contract situation is, he wants it to fuel him in this postseason. It is important. It absolutely is important. I think you have to evaluate players based on what they do in the postseason when you have to make a tough decision on them like that. And so far, John has had one good half out of four in this series. Uh, he's got to be better, but I think part of that is just a matter of staying on the floor. I think with the Hawks coming home for games three and four, we're really going to learn a lot about John Collins. I just get the feeling that the games are going to be officiated a little bit differently in Atlanta. If John avoids that tendency that unfortunately he's fallen into this year of picking up two quick fouls, I think he could potentially have a really big game in this series because he's going to create some matchup problems for the Knicks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. One of those big-time breakout games and good shot selection by Trey, and then you've got either guy on the wing between Collins, Capella, outside three-point shooting, Bogdanovich, this guy, that guy, Gallinari, Hunter, blah, 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 blah. Um, it, it just can uh, definitely play benefit for the Atlanta Hawks. Let me ask you this one. This one I just kind of recently thought about and came into my head. Um, hmm. The current status of... Uh, of of Cam Reddish from an injury standpoint, can we expect him back? I, I think from everything that I've heard last, and feel free to uh, correct me if not, that we will likely not be seeing him for this series, potentially from next series. I don't know. What is the uh, most well, recent update? Yeah, definitely not. It, well, I shouldn't say definitely not. Likely not in this series. He's going to be reevaluated again, I think, in another five or six days. Uh, if I remember the the calendar correctly, but remember, reevaluated doesn't mean clear to play. And I, I I'll go I'll look at the Chris Dunn situation where Chris Dunn was out for so long that by the time they were finally able to clear him to play at the end of the season, they were able to get him a couple games, but it was just too late for him to get back into the rotation. That and I just. I just have a feeling that Cam Reddish is in the same spot. It's too late for him to get back into the rotation in this postseason. I, I'm sure they'll make him – I'm sure they'll keep him ready. I'm sure he'll continue to practice because you never know. Someone may get hurt somewhere. 
Uh, but I'd be really, really surprised to see Cam Reddish in this postseason. Let's jump over to this one real quick. The uh, How realistic is it, do you think, or maybe even if you threw a percentage out there, in your opinion, uh, that we would see maybe the Hawks walk away with a win in game three and in game four, maybe going back to New York up 3-1 at that point? And what has to happen in order for them to do that? So I know this sounds really counterintuitive, but stay with me on this. There's a method okay. behind my madness. Okay. Game three cannot be a blowout. And here's why. Because I think, it, you know, with this series now going every other day, you played Wednesday, you'll play Friday, and then you'll play Sunday. Mm-hmm. The only way the Knicks are going to be able to keep Derrick Rose's workload reasonable is if there is a blowout game where you might be able to buy him some second half rest. And I look at Friday, you're playing at night, you're going to Sunday at 1 p.m. That's a really, really tight turnaround. If if you have a close game on Friday and Rose has to play 40 minutes a game, I already see signs of him kind of wearing down a little bit. I saw it last night. Mm-hmm. I think he, he's not moving around extremely well. Sure. He's going to wear down. You've already had Julius Randle speak openly about his energy level in this series. So unless there's like a blowout game where Thibodeau is able to pull the plug on Randall and Rose, these guys, I I think, are going to have some real issues maintaining energy in game four on Sunday. So I know that sounds counterintuitive. You want to win a game easily, right? But I actually think it would benefit the Hawks if Friday night was a close game because, look, the Hawks are the deeper team in this series, and they're the younger team in this series. They Maybe not in terms of overall average age, but they're younger at the right spots. I mean, you got a 22-year-old in Trey Young going up against a 32-year-old in Derrick Rose. That's key, right? So I, I think it's really, really important for the Hawks to keep running at these guys because they are going to wear down physically as the series goes longer. But it all starts with uh, it being a close game where Rose is going to have to play heavy minutes again on Friday. Last and final question before we get you out of here, Mike. Want to find out what your expectations are for both of the fan bases at State Farm Arena? Because we heard the Trey Young balding and this and that. And the Atlanta Hawks has their own little sixth man section, if you will, that they're, they're they're pretty crafty themselves. And not only that, but if we're just being real about it, you know, this is one of those markets in which. You know, a lot of people come from a lot of different places to come here and stay, and they get they tend to get pretty loud in there uh, for away games for the opposing team. What are your expectations for both fan bases going into State Farm Arena on tomorrow night? See, I thought the Chan at Madison Square Garden was actually Trey Young's balling because he was. <laughs> yeah. um, look, there are going to be a lot of Knicks fans in there. If, um, we just have to be resigned to that. There are going to be a lot of Knicks fans in there. There always are, even when the Knicks were bad. There always were a lot of Knicks fans at Hawks games. That's going to happen. But I think the Hawks are really going to feed off that energy. I've been to every home game this year, obviously, Deshaun. And, uh, you know, even the games where they only had 3,000 people in there, it it felt like 15. So now you you kind of triple that feeling. I think the Hawks are really going to feed off that. I think that's going to be really important on Sunday. Those 1 o'clock start times, it's very easy for both teams to feel very lethargic at the start of an early game like that. So I think the crowd's going to have a big, big role uh, in injecting some early energy into game four on Sunday, especially. 
Up next, coming up, Game 3, New York Knicks taking on the Atlanta Hawks uh, at State Farm Arena Friday, 7 p. Of course, that's Eastern Standard Time on ESPN, and that's going to conclude the quick release segment sponsored by Exotics by Curtis, by Curtis Smith. Excuse me, look good, feel good, play great, exoticsproducts.com. Make sure at the checkout, go to that discount code, put in Tate's take T A T E S T A K E H O P S to get your 15% off. Mike Conti, TV radio sportscaster and Atlanta Hawks commentator uh, for 90 Sports Radio 929 The Game in Atlanta and the Atlanta Hawks Network. Again, remember, do yourself a favor. Go and follow this dude. All sorts of great information, and not just about NBA, also about NFL, Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Falcons, MLS. Uh, with Atlanta United all across the board. My dude's getting it done. Mike Conti at Mike Conti 929. Mike, thanks so much for joining me. All right, Tate. Take care. Appreciate you very much. That's my dude, uh, Mike Conti, that joined us. Always uh, grateful that he had the opportunity to um, to uh, join us and grace us with his presence, uh, per usual, and uh, overly thankful for that. Now, um, that's pretty much for the most part going to get ready to uh, conclude, if you will, the Hawk Talk segment uh, of uh, episode number 82. Uh, so I do appreciate everybody, including Mike Conti, for, for, uh, for, for joining me on that. Let's go to a couple of the comments because I've got a couple homies that wanted to chime in and they see your boy doing his thing. And so they want to jump in here. And I always tell you, you can be a part of the show as well. So they're going to do their part. and. Uh, so that they have been paying attention. You can be much like these people. Just go and subscribe. It's very simple. It takes less than 30 seconds. If it takes you any longer than that, I can't help you out very much. I would be willing to put money in your pocket if it takes longer than that. But y'all not going to fool me with those Obama phones y'all got. My dude, Ryan McClendon, man. My dude, Wood, way out there listening from listening and watching uh, from Phoenix, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, saying, I see you, Tate. I see you, boy. Well, I can't physically see you you can see me but i can't you get it um my dude jansen harris checking in as well game three the Atlanta hawks should win should win no doubt i'm gonna get my dude kobe dent on here after a while we're gonna start talking about um maybe what some of these game lines and such uh are going to look like and things like that but down where you guys can make some money a little bit put some money in your pockets and so forth i know father's day is coming up and all that good stuff um since father's day coming up y'all need to check out some of those exotics products too, by the way um but put some money in your pocket and whatnot he's going to help you get your bills paid and hopefully for some of y'all that uh take longer than 30 seconds to subscribe maybe get you guys a new phone and get rid of that obama phone y'all working with jansen harris also saying it will go seven games i agree with him uh I, this was a tough one i, I thought this was going to be a very interesting very physical uh series between a ton of young guys and very few uh guys that are on these rosters that have that playoff experience uh but definitely expecting raucous crowds and between both of them and the stars is going to be out in atlanta i'm seeing 50 cent maybe one or two guys in new york last night at madison square garden but the homies is coming out the the, the boys is coming through i wouldn't be surprised tip jay of course two chains Migos, the, the usual uh people you're gonna you're gonna Listen, the Stars is coming out for that one. I did take the Hawks in seven games, by the way, and I guess Jansen here is believing the exact same thing. Appreciate my dude, Zach Ramey. Go and check out his podcast, too. Put in 
I'm gonna do Zach Ramey be on some stuff. We got we got Zach Ramey coming up, I think, next week as well. Uh, and he has a really awesome uh, off the glass uh, podcast as well. Um, and uh, he's gonna be joining us sometime next week. Uh, this dude is like a basketball, a walking basketball brainiac, essentially, with some really strong opinions and strong takes. Nothing too crazy, but just a little something to educate the people. So really appreciate him showing some love, saying it's not going seven, uh, six tops, which is pretty interesting. I'm still rolling with seven. I wonder who Zach is taking uh, in those seven games. Uh, I'm sorry, in those six games. I'd be really interested. I got a feeling he's going to say the Hawks. I don't know why, but. I got a feeling he's going to say the Hawks, but I don't know. I get the vibe. I'm not sure where Zach is from. Is it that Philly area? Maybe not. I can't remember, but I got a feeling he's an East Coast dude, so he might end up taking New York. I don't know. We'll pick his brain when next week roll around. Oh, that makes perfect sense. There we go. Hawks are the better team, simple. Okay, so he is going to roll with the Hawks in six. So we ain't even got to bring him on here and ask that, but we're still going to bring him on here and ask him a little bit of some other stuff in regards to um, – NBA playoffs. Let me remind you real quick before we get up out of here of a couple things. One of them being doing a recap each and every single night. So no matter how many games that will be played in a single night during the NBA playoffs, I'm going to recap it 15 minutes after the final game concludes. So if there's three games on tonight, we're going to recap all three games 15 minutes after the final game has ended. So I know that that could be a little confusing for some folks and people are going to be up watching their TNT on, on NBA on TNT and all that kind of stuff, which is perfectly fine. Uh, but we also have a, a pretty darn good thing going on over here as well. So I do always appreciate the support. Um, also want to remind you, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your baby mama, where they can find the best, the most entertaining, the most informational and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast, none other than what you're watching right now. Tate's Tate, go and subscribe. Don't save it for the local barbershop. Don't save it for the local sports bar. You have a voice right here on Tate's Take, uh, where basketball lives, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Uh, again, where basketball lives. Um, that's the hashtag, so follow that on social media. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Anywhere you find your favorite podcast, Google Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Red Circle, Stitcher, the whole nine. Uh, streaming live on YouTube as well as Facebook, as well as on Twitch. Uh, and on, I'm missing one, Periscope, that is. And last but certainly not least, my dude Rich. My dude Rich down there in the H-Town, man. Tell mama and bro I said what up, though. What up, though? What up, though? All the way from uh, the 313 from Detroit, Michigan, but chiming in from uh, the 832. I think it is. Is it 832 or 813? Maybe it's the same because there's two area codes in Houston. I know 832. It doesn't matter. Appreciate Rich for chiming in, though. Appreciate you guys for checking out. Please spread the word for your boy, man, and check out some of those uh, exotics products. Exot Let me throw that up there for y'all one more time, man, because they're doing such a great job. Listen, I've been able to notice a humongous difference in my own skin, uh, and I'm not just saying this. I've been on these products, man, since some of uh, uh, Trey Young and, and his father, Ray, and uh, uh, my dude, Ivan. Shout, shout out to Ivan IG uh, that introduced me to, to these products when I was out there at All-Star Weekend. Um, in uh in chicago last year and after i got introduced i haven't turned away from them since been using them daily 
faithfully, religiously. Uh, so let me go ahead and, and put that information back up here for you guys one more time, and then we're going to get up out of here. But I want to make sure that you guys have the information because they're sponsoring the show. And not only that, I just want to make sure that you guys are well taken care of. Skin uh, restoration, replenishment, razor bumps, skin irritation, skin rescue, exfoliation soaps, uh, body soaps, facial soaps, shave therapy, wave activation for some of y'all that still got the waves unlike me, shea butter, body glaze, balms, and masks, and gels and oils and cleaners and cleansers and sanitizers and just about everything uh so uh, if you have any questions uh then feel free to uh hit me on the dm at takes take hoops i'll be more than happy to answer your questions for you as it relates to the products uh and if i don't have an answer for you then i can get an answer for you so do yourself and your skin a favor and invest in that and make sure that you uh have to check out uh, at the in the discount code, uh, put in Tate's Take as you can see it there at the bottom of the ticker T A T E S T A K E. Um, yeah, T A T T A T E S T A K E. Almost forgot to spell my own name for 15% off, people. And that also does this person just a little bit of a favor when you do that as well. So go and invest in that. Appreciate you guys for um coming through and showing some love again, Mike Conti, for coming through, showing some love as well. And last but certainly not least. Don't forget, we're going to be recapping all of tonight's games 15 minutes after the last game concludes. Appreciate everybody for coming through and showing some love, and I'll see y'all later on tonight. Bye.